Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. So we are going to turn now to the teaching that I prepared. For those of you who have the sheet um, that we sent out on the um, in the Shabbat bulletin, great. If not, thank you, Brandt. I'm glad you have it. Um, if not, don't worry about it. I'm going to call out verses and chapters. So if you would like to have a chumash or any kind of Bible nearby, you are more than welcome to look up verse and chapter or also just listen. You don't no need to actually look at them uh, if it's easier to, for you to just listen. By the way, Larry Herman, I'm very glad to see you. I was nervous when I didn't see you at the beginning, so I'm glad you're here. Um, <laughs> I'm always nervous when there's not a Herman at a minion. Uh, okay, so we are going to talk today, and as I mentioned at the beginning of my Torah reading, I want to talk today a little bit about these laws that we've seen before, but the category in which we are now seeing them again. So it is interesting for all of us when we're reading through Deuteronomy to think, why is this repeated as opposed to that, right? Why is this something that needs repeating for us to understand in a different way or in the same way? Or why was that thing not repeated, right? Why is none of Brashit? Why is none of the book of Genesis repeated? None of it is repeated. It's mostly laws. It's mostly about how we practice, not about our narrative. But why? Who knows? I'm sure there are many, many, many reasons. But these are good questions to ask while reading through the book of Deuteronomy, given that we are hearing so much about our collective narrative again. So, what I wanted to do today was talk about a few of these laws that you definitely know. You might not know where you know them, but you know them. And yet they're in the category of laws that we need to know and do because we were once slaves in the land of Egypt. Which, if I were to just say to you, what laws do you think would be important to do or to adhere to, knowing that we were once slaves in the land of Egypt, you might say... Things like don't have slaves, don't work people harder than you're willing to work yourself, those kinds of things. But yet the laws that we're going to look at today have nothing to do with that in, in the, the working kind of sense. But you will see that that memory that we're supposed to have is supposed to take us through a journey of how we treat others around us. So this is supposed to be interactive. Um, unlike when we are in person, we don't have 30 or 40 minutes. So unfortunately, I probably won't get to all of your questions or all of your comments. But I would love for you to be able to ask them if you have them and for this to be something where we're learning together, you're not just listening to a lecture. So if you have the sheet in front of you, we're going to start at the top Deuteronomy 24 verse 17. And I only bring this verse to give you context. We're actually not going to spend so much time in this verse today, but I'm, I want you to see where it goes. So it says here, Lo ger yatom velo tachbol beged almana. So you shall not take away the rights of the stranger. You should not subvert them, make them lower than your own or the fatherless. You shall not take a widow's garment in pawn. Right? So it's basically saying, 
Treat someone the way that you expect to be treated. Do not subvert them. But also don't take something from someone that you're going to then sell. I actually believe a few months ago when we saw this law the first time, I talked about it. Maybe not in Mincha, maybe in Shabbat morning. But this is a law that we are now seeing for the second time. Okay. Chapter 24 of Deuteronomy, verse 18 says, Remember that you were a slave in Egypt. And that Adonai, your God, redeemed you from there. Therefore, I give you these laws to observe these commandments. Okay, it's talking here about that commandment that I just read to you about making sure that the, that the rights of those who are less than you in terms of their own rights are seen as equal and that you don't take advantage of those who might need protection. Any questions about this thus far or thoughts or counter sermons? Yeah, Larry. Well, the translation doesn't include the, the conjugation of the. Ah, very good. Very good. So what Larry is pointing out is that the Hebrew, which I read, is vezaharta, which assumes that there's something else before it and after it, right? And you shall remember, right? So you you should do this thing, <coughs> and that is because you shall remember that you were once slaves in the land of Egypt. Great. Thank you, Larry. Any other thoughts, questions, comments? Okay. So the next verse, and for those of you who have the sheet, I know there are commentaries on there. I'm going to get to some of the commentaries, but not all of them. So if you read a commentary that you're interested in, feel free to ask about it, but I'm not going to go through every single commentary. So this next verse, verse 19 says, when you reap the harvest in your field, and key, which is the Hebrew here, can be when or if or because, when you reap the ar- the harvest in your field and overlook a sheaf in the field, so you overlook something that you could have harvested for yourself, don't turn back to get it. Lo tashuv velakachta. Interesting, tashuv, this is not what I'm trying to get at, but I just want to point this out for you. Tashuv comes from the same root as tshuva, that returning to yourself, right? So they're using that same word here. Do not turn back, do not return to get that sheaf that you could have you could have harvested for yourself. It will go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. The same three categories of people that we mentioned in the first verse. In order that Adonai, your God, may bless you in all of your undertakings. So Rashi says on this something extremely interesting. He says... Although it came into this stranger's hand without the owner meaning to leave it, right? He wasn't going according to the laws of Peah, which we'll see in a second, which is to actually leave corners of your field for those people to get those those um, extras, so to speak. He just forgot it. He oversaw it. He didn't. He didn't mean to leave it, but he did. It follows logically that he will certainly receive a blessing if he does this intentionally. So even if he doesn't do it intentionally, he receives a blessing. But all the more so if he does it intentionally, he will receive blessing for it. Now, just keep in the back of your mind that all of this is under the category of reminding ourselves, having that memory that we were slaves in the land of Egypt. Okay, all of these laws are in that category. 
You must therefore admit that if a sella, like a bundle, it's a category, it's an amount uh, uh, used for wheat in the Torah, fell out of one's hand, and a poor man found it and supports himself by it, then he will surely be blessed on that account. You forgot it. You didn't mean to forget it. But in this particular case, someone really needed that to feed their family or to make sure that they could sustain their own hunger. So you're blessed. You as the owner are blessed, even if you didn't know that you did that. Any comments or questions on this particular verse? Yeah, Larry. Oh, Larry, you went away. I was going to say that I think a lot of these have to do with preserving dignity. Good. Great. Say No, but if you, you know, if you, if you're going through a field, I'm not a farmer and you, whether you do it intentionally or unintentionally and you leave it for someone who's less fortunate and you're not giving it to them by handing it to them, you're preserving their dignity. And what does one, a thing about being a slave is you don't have any dignity. Great. Great. So these are categories of how we need to treat other people. Even if we don't know that we are treating them that way, we need to give them something that we didn't get when we were slaves. Great. Yeah, Larry. That gets to the point that I was going to make, which isn't about this verse. So, um, I can't say for sure, but if you go back to verse 16, which I don't want to read, yeah. it's a different subject entirely. So we start with verse 17, right. and we know that the Torah didn't actually originally have chapters or yeah. verses, so that's artificial. But there is a connection. Notice that I made the comment about verse 18 starts with a vav, with an and. Yeah. Every other verse then starts, almost every other verse subsequently starts with a key, which yeah. is a conjunction, however you translate it, as when or if or because, yeah. it's a conjunction. Up until, I know you're going to get to this, at the very end we go back to that you were a slave in Egypt, and everything here is connected. And the question is, that we have to be asking the whole time, it's not the individual questions, is why is this being charitable, being decent, being a good person in terms of your communal responsibility, why is this particularly connected to being a slave in Egypt? I don't have an answer. That's just the question. That's exactly the question. <laughs> you you got it. You nailed the thesis on the head. Um, that's exactly the question. And that's that's why I started it at verse 17, because as Larry's pointing out, if you go backwards, you'll see there's tons and tons and tons of laws. But this one starts a category of laws that are all interwoven with or bookended by you were a stranger, sorry, you were a slave in Egypt. And so you shall treat other people having that as your as your memory. And it's fascinating. And this is exactly what I was bringing these verses for was the question that Larry asked. Why? Why these particular laws and not the other laws? There are other laws that take care of humans just as much. Why are these laws the ones that need to have that qualification, need to, as I call this teaching, have that visceral memory of doing something so that it reminds you that you were also slaves in the land of Egypt. So let's turn the page. Or for those of you who are who are not on the sheet, go to verse 20. When you beat down the fruit of your olive tree, so those of you who have olive picked before, you know you kind of shake them and you that's how the olives come off of them. Do not go over them again. Don't shake them a second time. Don't pick them a second time. That shall go to, again, the same categories here, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Now, here are two different commentaries that I absolutely love. One of them is by Rabbeinu Bachia, 
who says, do not go over them again means, it's just the plain meaning. Meaning, don't search the branches. Get all you can, but then walk away. Don't shake the branches and say, I only got 30. I thought I might get 50 when I came across this tree. Just walk away. You got what was meant for you. Now take a step back and walk away. But the Midrash on this says, don't consider yourself a great person, a beautiful person, because you have given them or deliberately left them olives under your tree. Don't be so full of yourself because you didn't search it a second time. The moral lesson here is that you shouldn't publicize these acts of kindness that you perform. So you're not not going over it a second time because you're such a great person. You're not going over it a second time because someone else deserves to go over it a first time. And someone else might need it more than you. So don't give yourself a pat on the back. It's just the right thing to do. Don't, you haven't done something so great by not going over it a second time. You've just done the right thing by not going over it a second time. I'm sorry I didn't include the Hebrew. I think originally I didn't include it because I didn't have space on the page. But I'd be very interested to know, and I will go back and find this out, what the Hebrew is for beautiful. Is it yafeh? Is is it literally to be a beautiful person or is it to be a righteous person, right? To use the word tzedek like we had in this, in this morning's parasha. So I'm sorry that I didn't leave this in here because it's a question that I have of myself uh, that I didn't recognize when I took it out. In the Gemara, in Chulin, it talks now about this mitzvah of peah, which I referred to before, of leaving parts of your field for other people specifically. Not as a mistake, but you are specifically as a farmer, as someone who works the land, supposed to leave parts of your field for others. It applies to one's vineyard, and that's derived by this verbal analogy between the term after you, acharecha, which is the word used in the verse. After you, um, sorry, as it is written, when you beat your olive tree, you shall not go over to the boughs after you. And the school of Rabbi Yishmael, so Rabbi Yishmael was a teacher and all of his students taught that that term, you shall not go over the boughs again, means that you shall not take all of its splendor. And the reason that I'm interested to see what they use for the word beautiful is, is because it could be this same word tiferet, which is where the Gemara might get this idea, that in all of your splendor and all of your glory, Rather, you shall leave a person for the people who come to glean from it. So what we're saying in this particular verse is that we want to make sure that you don't think you're so great. You don't become those Egyptians who when they gave you a little extra something, they pat themselves on the back. We want you to know this is just the right thing to do. This is what you do for other people. You take care of them because, again, you were once slaves in the land of Egypt and no one took care of you. So one more verse. We're going to skip one. We're going to go to verse 22. And then we're going to get to my favorite commentary. And then I'm happy to take a few questions before we do Mari. Vezaharta. So we're going back to Larry's Vav here. And you shall remember. Ki evid hayita be'eretz mitzrayim. So it's telling us again. And now, after these laws, you shall again remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And because of that, God has commanded you to do this mitzvah. Because of that. Because of the memory, right? And that's why I called this this text study visceral memory. Because it's not just that you remember. 
It's that you have feelings based on that memory that guide you to treat people better. So it's memory, but it's also, it's like in your kishkas that because you know that you were treated badly, you must never treat others badly. And here is my favorite commentary on this whole thing. Vezacharta ki eved hayita. Sforno says on this line, and you shall remember that you were once a slave because at that time you were in need of even an unripe grape. So all the more so that we should leave our crops when they are ripe and beautiful and juicy and ready for picking. Because when you were slaves in Egypt, you would have taken anything you could get, even an unripe grape, because you were hungry and you were in need of sustenance. And that's where I got this idea of visceral memory. Because Sforno wouldn't say, or Sforno wouldn't um, claim, I should say, because Sforno also was not there when we were slaves in the land of Egypt. But Sforno wouldn't claim that we as a people were hungry or in need of unripe grapes if he didn't believe that we needed to feel that hunger or feel that hatred or feel that desire to be supported and cared for, we wouldn't do any of these things. We wouldn't take care of other people if we couldn't also feel those things based on other memories that we've had. So I'm curious if anybody has any counter sermons or thoughts on this. Um, But I just, I want to finish my teaching by saying that I think that this is an extremely powerful way of us going through the book of Deuteronomy specifically, that we need to actually take our memory of the four books that came before, understand the feelings that we had, understand the things that we went through, understand the ways in which we were treated, because all of the laws that we are now supposed to do as a people for and to others need to be rooted in those feelings that we had, good or bad. If we were taken care of well, we should remember how we were taken care of to take care of other people. If our siblings were not great to us, we need to remember the story of siblings when they were not good to one another and how they dealt with that. But we need to have memory and not just memory in our minds of, oh, that was a good story, but really feel it, really feel what people needed and and craved. And I'll leave you with this one nugget. When we read the story of being slaves in the land of Egypt, one of our commentators, and I'm sorry that I don't remember which, and Rabbi David Lieber, Zichrono Livracha, used to say over and over and over again this teaching. So in my mind, he's the person who said this. The people were actually not treated so badly in Egypt. They were fed. Yes, they had hard jobs. They were treated as slaves. But when it comes down to it, they weren't treated as slaves the way that we think of slavery. The reason that they called themselves slaves was because they did not have Shabbat. They weren't able to practice their religion in the way that they wished. Now, I don't know that that's true. The commentator also doesn't know if that's true. Hmm. But it's interesting to think about that that goes along with this same category of visceral feeling we felt divorced from or stripped of our identity. And so that's why the Torah continues on to give us Torah, to give us those laws, to give us those connections back to the religion that was taken away from us when we were slaves. Branch, you want to say something? And then I'm Um, I'm saying is that in some respects, this this talks against unbridled capitalism, Mm. except for the fact that it does say that if you do this, you too will be blessed. Mm-hmm. Well, I presume that means if you 
if you take care to preserve the dignity of these people and leave, you know, the bows unshaken and stuff, that somehow that comes back to reward you. But it kind of flies in the face of the idea that greed is good, that that mm-hmm. that you have to give some in order to get some, and you have to preserve people's dignities. It, it, it's a responsibility, you know, on people. If you argue that the Bible applies to everyone, but especially on Jews, if it applies to Jews. Yeah, yeah. Judy has her hand up, and then Larry. So I really resonate, Rabbi, with um, your call to us to not just utilize memory as something that stays in your head, but something that informs your actions. Mm -hmm. And that's what we derive from this Parsha of Dvarim right here. And I have a very quick contemporary anecdote. Uh, My parents were both survivors. Many of you know this. And my mom and her parents, uh, actually your mom, my mom and her mom, were basically, they survived on water from cooked potatoes for the longest time, just the water. And when they were liberated and the Americans had food for them, people were rushing. My mom was a teenager and she just stood back. She couldn't bear to just dive right in. It actually informed the rest of her life, and it informs my life. She never wasted food. Mm-hmm. She always shared food with others, mm-hmm. and and had a. She never threw away anything unless she absolutely had to, and and that's a real example of taking a memory and having it inform, yeah, for the better. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I, as I was speaking, I also thought about the Shoah in a very similar way that we need to be informed by how we or others around us felt during that time to make the world a better place, to make the world a place that's not as full of hatred and malice for absolutely no reason, but also to get to those moments of, I didn't have anything, and yet that makes me aware of the fact that other people also at times will not have anything. Thank you for sharing that. Larry, you get the last you get the last word. First of all, I love listening to Judy. I hate coming after her because anything I ever say doesn't <laughs> hold a candle to what she's always said. Thank you. And and to Rabbi Shah, it's a wonderful uh, teaching. I'll be very br- very brief. Yeah. I actually think <clears throat> we shouldn't have started in verse 17. Mm. We started in verse 18 and we start with the we have three verses of ki, 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 why, why? And then we end with the v'zacharta. And at the very end, at the very end it says, um, yeah. what's the devar? Because the devar is not in that verse. Right. So the devar must be all these things that you taught about. Yeah. I'm not going to contradict your teaching. I do have to happen to think it can be viewed in a number of ways. Don't try to get, squeeze the last drop out of anything that you have. Yeah. Therefore, it can be taken as a teaching in terms of the way in which you teach your work, uh, treat your workers, which we weren't treated when we were slaves. Yeah. It can be treated a little like what Brent was talking about. I wouldn't use his language in terms of, of unbridled capitalism, but we need to be responsible. Don't strip mine to try to get every last bit of the mineral from the ground because you destroy the beauty, which can link to that in the land itself. So if we take those five verses by themselves, there's a lot there. 
Thank you. I, I totally, totally agree. And I, it's interesting. I went back and forth on whether or not to have verse 17 in there, but I think you're right. It's such a beautiful way of book ending. If it just starts at 18 and goes to 22, because we start and end with this passage of we remember that you are slaves in the land of Egypt. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.